Hello, I'm Kevin, VK6 Lima Whiskey, and welcome to Amateur Radio Topics. Uh, today's podcast, just going to discuss a few things that have been happening over the last month or so. I'll probably start with CQ Worldwide. I think the last podcast I did was just before CQ Worldwide, and managed to get the station together here on a fairly ad hoc, temporary type basis. Uh, still don't have a shack at the moment, still in the laundry. But it kind of worked out okay. I've managed to squeeze everything into the laundry, had a full um, SO2R setup, and everything worked fairly well. Uh, there's a couple of glitches. I had a slight glitch on 15 and 20 running SO2R. I'm not quite, I'm still not quite entirely sure why. I think it may have been an RF problem. Uh, the setup here in the laundry is not particularly ideal. I've got no real organised um, earthing as such. And there's a lot happening with the two radios and the linear and the switching. So it only really happened between those two bands. And it's quite possible that when I get back into a regular shack and with a slightly better engineering, that it's not going to happen again. So we'll see. But actually, since then, I'll come to this a bit later on. Since then, I've found a, found a workaround for it, which is quite interesting. So it may not actually be um, really too serious. It's a little bit to do with the timing switching between the two radios. And the timing's got to be right. If it's not, the linear's not too happy. So, um, but the contest was pretty good. The conditions were okay. Uh, they weren't fantastic. I think the, the flux was sort of in the mid 80s or something at the time. So there were some openings on 10. 10 was pretty good. Um, I think from memory, I had about... Um, maybe about 600 QSOs on 10 metres, something like that. Um, and 15 was very good as well. I think I managed to get over the 1,000 QSOs on 15. So it was a, it was a good um, sign of things to come, really, with the conditions. And of course, since CQ Worldwide, conditions have actually improved quite a bit more. And the, recently, the flux has been getting around the sort of 140 mark, and... That's as high, I think, as it's been for quite some time, probably since you know, that we had the last, um, since the end of the last cycle. So 15 and 10 have been very good from here. And it's been a bit of fun getting on there in the evenings and playing around uh, with the different openings. And some openings have been occurring that uh, probably wouldn't normally expect, things like long path to Europe uh, around about midnight local time on 15 metres, which is uh, quite unusual. Um, so... Yes, it all, um, all worked out well. Uh, I had a pretty good score on uh, 160 and also on 80. 160 and 80 were quite good. Um, again, the antenna wasn't really optimised. Um, it wasn't as high as I've had the antenna in the past, but nevertheless, it still seemed to work quite well for 160 and 80. This is this um, off-centre fed inverted L type configuration I've got. And um, top of it was at about 75 feet, uh, around about 22 meters, just underneath the beam. So it was, um, and it was surprising how, how well it worked. I mean, HF conditions were quite good, but there was quite a bit of activity on 160 meters, particularly the first night. And um, quite a, a good, um, good QSO total, a uh, good number of countries and zones. 160 is not really a band from VK6 that you're going to try and run on. It's really just a question of getting on there and trying to collect uh, some zones and some countries and 
you know, some useful multipliers. 80 meters was, was very good. Um, uh, I think I'd over 200 QSOs on 80. And uh, good, uh, good country total there. So that was, um, that, that helped a lot. Um, probably the only band really might have missed out a little bit was 20 meters. I think I might have got a bit carried away with 15 and 10 and thought, well, I can always go back to 20. <laughs> and that can be a mistake. Because I think what really happened, um, probably the second day, the conditions weren't quite as good. So consequently, the, the tactic of thinking, well, I can always get back to 20 metres, probably backfired a little bit. And definitely not quite as good on the second day. But um, the single operator two radio interleave QSO setup worked really well and probably was able to do that around about 50% of the time for the whole contest. There were times where it's not really worth doing. Um, you know, if the bands are a bit sketchy or the noisy, or you can't control the frequency on two, two, two bands at once, then it's probably not really uh, viable to try and uh, keep that mode going. But there are some other advantages to um, to using that mode sometimes when you've got 15 and 10 open and the, and the openings may be limited to Europe for, instance, for example then at least you get the opportunity to work the two bands at once whereas there's been occasions in the past with just the one radio where you're on 10 metres and 10 metres is looking pretty good and you want to stay on 10 metres and you maybe stay on there a bit too long and then you miss out on the opening on 15 so it's kind of um, it's, a, it's a useful mode to have not just because you're going to increase your QSO rate exponentially, but it, it, you can be more or less in two places at the same time and not miss out on those band openings. So I think um, overall, yes, I was pretty happy with that. I found probably on balance about the first, or well, maybe the first um, 24 hours, um, I was pretty good with it. and. I think one thing with the single operator 2 radio and the interleave QSOs is that it takes a little bit more out of you, a little bit more concentration required. So it makes the second 24 hours a bit harder. I found the second 24 hours harder. I probably used the single operator 2 radio less in the second 24 hours. But then, of course, the bands generally weren't, for me, they weren't as good in that, in that period. So uh, it's hard to... Um, it's hard to second guess this and get all the tactics completely right. Um, I'm looking forward to a situation where we've got, obviously we've got a little bit more happening with sunspots. That's going to make a big difference from VK6 because without sunspots contesting from here, it's pretty tough. You've got to try and attract the attention of the Europeans and everybody in the Northern Hemisphere and generally speaking, people in the States are beaming at Europe. People in Europe are beaming at the States. So you've got to try and, you're working guys off the backs of their beams, that sort of thing. Um, you've got to have a good signal, you've got to be able to try to control the frequency and um, everything else that goes with it. But once again, it's a great contest. It's, it, it has to be probably the most fun contest of the year. And there's other contests that are different and um, CQ Worldwide, I think undoubtedly probably has the, the highest participation rate, seems to have the most activity. Um, it's you know the bands are open when you don't expect them to be necessarily because the activity is so high and and it, and at least you finding openings that otherwise you may not have considered before. So 
The new spider beam, the new remodeled spider beam with the aluminium wire worked really well. Very happy with that. Great front to back on all three bands. Um, and it seems, yeah, I could kind of tell that it was, it was working. It was, it was very good. Um, the 40 meter beam, the, the single mast 40 meter beam I had slightly lower down on the tower. So the apex of that was at around about 18 meters or about 60 feet. And probably a little bit too low for it, but it, it, it still worked pretty well. I certainly had front to back and I felt pretty strong on 40. Um, and you can kind of tell if the, if the antenna's not working on 40, there's no way you can hold the frequency into Europe. It just doesn't work. You just get completely hammered. But it, it was okay, 40 minutes was good. And so I was pretty, pretty happy with that. It sort of got me thinking about some other projects for when I get my next, for when I get the second tower back up again. Because I'm thinking that possibly if I get the second tower back up, I can have one of these single mast four direction beam antennas for 80. And then underneath that, I can put another one for 40. And I've got enough vertical space to do that. And that would be quite cool because the antennas, quite a, a, a neat idea in terms of trying to get the four directions off the one mast and and it definitely works um it gives you gives you some gain and probably lowers the angles slightly and it seems to model up pretty well uh, in nec so overall yep happy with the antennas receive antennas were good uh use the receive antennas when i'm on single operator two radio i'm listening on the receive antennas um and they worked really well uh, just very very simple receive antennas and I, I had a couple of beverages as well that I managed to finish off the night before the contest so one for Europe one for the USA they were just really they were just thrown up into the <laughs> into the trees to try and give me something for the low bands which are really needed um, they worked really well on 40 and 80 and they did the job on 160 so um, yeah so despite the fact that it's probably a bit of a lash up for this last CQ worldwide pretty happy with the result the end results good i'm sort of up there with with um uh, you know in the in the uh, just probably just outside the top 20 which is okay for vk6 but certainly once i can get the second tower back up get my shack sorted out again yeah would hope to do a little bit better and yeah the sunspots will help it will help a lot for this location definitely um it's been a long time since you know 10 and 15 have been completely reliable from here and there was a bit of a glimpse of it in that contest and there's certainly been a glimpse of it since then where 10 has been consistently open to Europe every day. Uh, some really, really great signals and it's been a bit of fun to be on 10 metres again. And I think back to the times where, you know, 10 and 15 were actually open for most of the night here on occasions when the, you know, in the last sunspot peak, which seems crazy now because they've been closed for so long. But that, that was a reality you could work 10 and 15 well into the early hours of the morning 20 was certainly open all night and it puts a different perspective on the contest altogether so something to look forward to with the hf conditions um i played around a bit with the uh the cw i, I was using a wink here um wink here is able to to key two radios it's got two outputs uh, the wink here usb version i've got and it's been it's been okay it's been fine really had any problems with it but i i had noticed a couple of times during the contest with the single operator two radio setup now and again maybe something to do with my homebrew switch box or whatever i'm not sure but the whole thing would just hang up and the only way i could really fix the problem 
um, and when I say hang up, it would hang up and send out a continuous carrier, which wasn't great. <laughs> so the only way I could fix that was to, to pull the USB stick out and then reboot the, the login program, which is N1MM+. Plus. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the login program. There's, there was something else glitchy going on and never really got to the bottom of it, thought it might be RF, but wasn't sure. I mean, this is when I had the shack set up before and everything was properly earthed and I've got lots of ferrite everywhere on every conceivable lead in and out of everything. So um, I, did, I tried something a little bit different um, before the contest and that was using the USB um, connection on the IC7610 directly to send the CW. Um, and uh, I had a little bit of messing around setting it up, but once I got it going uh, with the setup in M1MN, it was really good. Um, and since then, I've done a couple of modifications to the um, settings um, in the configuration panel, and that seems to have solved or helped that problem I had on 20 and 15 with the um, uh, with the uh, the linear getting caught up in the timing. So it's quite possible that the timing wasn't quite right between the two radios with the 7610 having the USB connection sending the CW. Um, and then what I've done is by going back into the configuration settings, I've introduced a bit of a delay on the push to talk and that actually seems to have helped a bit. So, um, but the, the, the USB, the sending the USB off the computer, I mean really, or you know, straight from the computer to the radio, it's been absolutely fine. I've really haven't had any problems with it at all. The only time I've had a problem is maybe if I've been booting the computer up and programs are opening, and then sometimes a bit of a conflict, obviously, with the capacity of the computer and, and not being able to send CW. But in CQ Worldwide, I didn't have that problem. Everything was open that was gonna be open, and the, the small laptop that I use uh, with an external screen, everything worked fine, nothing got hung up. And um, uh, my friend VK6VZ Steve, he's used M1MM in the contest in the same way. He used the, the USB connection to, um, to send the CW uh, from the computer to the radio and absolutely fine. So um, the wing key is in the box at the moment. is <laughs> out on that one. I've been using the wing key for years, but I was just, the only reason I changed, because was this, this slight problem I had with it uh, hanging up every now and again in the contest, and by changing to the direct USB mode, I didn't get that problem um, with the 7610. So it's quite neat that it's got that feature, and the CW sounds good. Um, there weren't really any problems. Uh, it was nice to use the call sign, VK6T, VK6 Tango, in, the, in CQ Worldwide. Um, it sounds... It's a minimal difference, but it actually does help a bit with, with the timing um, between the two radios when you've got them both interleaving. And it also, it's a, it's a shorter, easier call sign. You know, I would get problems with VK6LW. The people would struggle with the L and the W, um, particularly the, the L, it seems, um, if the conditions were sketchy. So by going to VK6 Tango or VK6 T, I mean, on CW, it's a, it's a really easy call. And... Um, I felt there's quite a few occasions where that may have helped me a bit, and also it's a you know it's a it's a it's a new call sign, so um, it's a bit of a novelty I suppose. And of course, there's lots of other guys in Australia using these new contest calls now. We, it just I think it was just a few weeks before the contest they came out, um, and it's good. It's a good it's a good thing. I think that they've been um, they've been muted for some time that they would be coming, 
but it took a number of years for it to actually happen for all sorts of reasons. So um, nice to be able to get that call sign. It makes us a little bit more competitive with maybe the rest of the world in terms of um, you know, that a lot of these call signs have been available to other operators in other countries for a long time. And certainly I'd rather be using VK6T than VK6LW in a contest on CW. Um, much easier um, for everybody to, um, to read. So that was good. That was, that was fun. And um, quite a, um, as I say, quite good conditions, uh, both LF and on the HF bands. So looking for uh, more of that to come. Um, my new workshop and shack is being built. Um, it's close to getting to a stage where I can start getting in there and refilling the shack, which will be good. It's going to be a much bigger shack than what I had before. Uh, I'll have a better workshop type arrangement there, bit of electronic bench, um, and it's slightly, it doesn't really make any difference, it's slightly closer to the antennas. Uh, once I can get, once the, the, the workshop and shack is finished, once it's actually built, then I can start working on, I can get my tower, my newish tower, it's not a brand new tower, but a new second-hand tower, into the workshop and start working on the welding that I need to retrofit the pulley system from what it's currently got to something a little bit more beefy. And then I can look to try and get that second tower back up. So that's that would be good. Having the two towers um, actually does make quite a bit of difference in terms of flexibility and what you can do with antennas, obviously. So um, obviously the last contest I ran off one tower, but I'd kind of got used to having the two towers. And so it, I missed it really. But yes, get the second tower up, have a look at this um, 80 uh, single mast uh, four direction beam. Um, that could be um, that could be a good, really good antenna on 80 for me. And then I'll put the 40 meter one underneath and the other tower will have the spider beam on there. Um, and maybe, maybe still leave on, the, well probably still have the 160 meter antenna on there, which, which also doubles up on 80. So the 160 meter antenna and the 80 meter antenna are essentially the same thing. It's an off center fed inverted L. I've described it before. It's got a big four to one uh, ballon at the feed point. Um, and when I say big, it's got three stacks of, of FT240. So it's got six FT240 uh, ferrite cores in there all together. And it's, they're welded with Teflon coax. It's quite heavy duty. And then um, after that, or before that comes back into the shack, yeah, the, the more or less at the feed point as well. I've got a big um, air cord um, coaxial choke, which is about 50 turns on a on a four inch pipe diameter. So um, I've been using that antenna on and off now for maybe six or seven years on the low bands, and it seems to work pretty well. And the, the, there's variations, obviously, on all these these sorts of antennas that you can apply. But that's one antenna I've come back to time and time again, and it's been very consistent. It's very easy to to build, it's it's easy to put up. Um, there's no radials involved, and um, it works well on the low bands. So, uh, and in the sort of situation I've got here, with, the, with uh, it's a good location. It's up on you know, near the top of a hill, uh, but the ground is rocky. There's lots of trees. It's not easy to essentially get a radial field down for for vertical. And the times when I have used vertically polarized antennas. Um, you know, with, with, with elevated radials and whatever, 
frankly the results have been not that great um, and that might be just due, due to the terrain and the, the fact that there are a lot of trees here and um, I think Steve VK6VZ has had the same issues to an extent and he's built some fairly complex um, ground systems, elevated ground systems to try and overcome this because of his, his uh, keenness on the low bands but I'm not entirely sure that um, I think he, he's reverted back to you know a more of a, a traditional type 160 meter antenna um, and the same with Phil uh, VK6GX you know he's got a, a 160 meter dipole around about 100 feet or whatever and, and that seems to work pretty well and he's in the same range of hills so sometimes the, the terrain um, does have an effect on the direction you go on with antennas for sure and um, just practically it's not not that easy to put down large number of radials here so you can't really lay them on the surface that's not really going to work and um, besides which we've got kangaroos hopping around all over the place so they're all going to get tangled up and <laughs> it's not going to be very pretty um, so yes well that's that's the, probably the um, that's the news since the last podcast I would say um, still a bit of work to do here get the shack done get the tower up try and maybe get organized for um, the Baru contest the Commonwealth contest and then after that uh, WPX end of May uh, sort of starting to repeat the cycle then so that would be really be really good to get back in the back into a proper shack I'm looking forward to that um, temperature here it's been 42 degrees today or something crazy and I think tomorrow Christmas Day I think it's the same I think it's 42 degrees centigrade we've got about four or five days of this now in, in Western Australia which is not a lot of fun it, it does actually mean that you're you, there's not a lot you can actually do outside productively <laughs> unless you do it really early in the morning or really late in the evening so um we're sort of on Christmas holidays a bit now at the moment, so there's a few things to do. But most of most of the activities is, um, you know, can, we can do in air conditioned comfort. So I'm not going to go out and start trying to work on antennas when it's 42 degrees centigrade. It, it's it's virtually impossible. Um, I've got another project here that I'm kind of playing around with a bit, and that is a um, I've got a small drone, and I'm I'm just getting that set up at the moment with a view to. Um, using a, um, a quick release mechanism to, to drop wires over trees. So that should be a bit of fun. Um, it's been a bit of fun actually just working out how to use the drone and how to fly it and um, have a bit of confidence. And of course, you've got to be reasonably adept with this if you're trying to fly the thing up and over trees to drop something on the other side. So um, maybe during the holidays, I get a chance to um, have a bit more of a play around with that. Um, which should be fun and it might uh, I've got some there's some fairly tall trees here you know we've got um, trees that are 60 and 70 feet so it's quite useful for some of the things I've been doing with the receive antennas which are located quite a distance away from the transmit antennas um, so that um, that could be good and um, I've got some thoughts as well on uh, building um, some more receive antennas based on the the single mast beam idea with the four direction switching so I'm going to try and develop those ideas a little bit when I get some time to see if I can um, have a little bit of more direction uh, capability with receive antennas. Receive antennas I've got work really well. Um, 
probably if the band's in any sort of shape at all, whatever I can hear on my transmit antennas, I can hear on the receive antennas. The big difference on the receive antennas is there's, there's virtually no noise. You know, the band sounds really quiet on the receive antennas. So the signal to noise ratio on the receive antennas on HF is really good. Um, I showed Steve one day when he came around, you know, I flipped them backwards and forwards and you know, he was pretty surprised. I mean, obviously the signal strength is higher on the beam. It's always going to be, but the whole idea with the receive antennas is to try and create a situation where I've got no interstation interference between the two radios. So when I'm listening on, on 20 meters and transmitting on 15, um, I, you know, and vice versa, I can't hear the other transmitted signal you know, on the other band. And the receive antennas with filtering do that really well. I've got absolutely no interstation interference whatsoever with the setup I've got here at the moment. And it's really quite a simple setup. I mean, there's a lot of people that have got extremely complicated SO2R setups. This is actually pretty simple. There's, it's a home-built uh, switching box, which is, again, very simple. And um, some, some receive bandpass filters and some receive antennas. The, the big issue is for most people, it's very difficult for them to get the receive antennas far enough away from the transmit antennas. Well, I'm fairly lucky with that. With, with two and a half acres, it means I've got the capacity to put the receive antenna, you know, maybe at least 100 meters away from the transmit antenna. So it, it, it makes a big difference. And, um, and it's, it's worked quite well. But I've got an idea that maybe, you know, receive antennas, I could have one down there that actually I can switch in four directions, which would be pretty good. And that might, um, might give me a bit of an edge and it's even possible that possibly I might put another one of these up as a small transmit antenna for, for a different direction in terms of on HF in terms of not having to turn the beam around or if I want to um, you know one drawback I've got at the moment is my my HF beams are all on the same antenna boom so if I'm beaming to Europe I'm beaming to Europe whereas if I want to beam to the US on 20 meters and beam to Europe on 15 I can't really do that at the moment so that's something for me to probably address maybe when I get the second tower up I can put something on top of that with another HF type beam a simple HF beam up there to give me a second direction maybe another spider beam up there not sure so we'll see how we go there's lots lots to do anyway look um, that probably wraps it up for now um, I guess Christmas Eve this is like the Christmas edition so I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas Happy New Year and let's hope 2022 is a good run for us all. 73 is from Kevin, VK6 Lima Whiskey.